the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash Spot Track, S P O T R A C. Get 40% off that first year subscription. Plenty to talk about today. Big NASCAR race, big Wimbledon final, plenty of baseball as they ramp up to the All Star break. The NFL offseason has some moments here, and the NBA offseason is certainly becoming more and more official as we speak. That's what the big segment of this show is today. Scott Allen rejoins the show, as he will quite a bit here over the next couple of weeks, to break down what has become official and one big deal that isn't yet official and why that why that's the case and some tangents off of that as well. So that's the, uh, that's the main feature today is uh, another NBA smorgasbord. But there's going to be plenty to get to. We're going to talk uh, Major League Baseball All-Star rosters sometime this week. I will get to some of these smaller sports as well, which are having their moments. And then the NFL ramps back up at the end of July. So we'll, uh, we'll certainly be turning our, the wheel into that as well. I will start with some NFL here. And uh, it's the big uh, wide receiver year. There's no question about it. Yes, the quarterback money has gotten crazy. Yes, there's been some ma- massive trades and a decent draft and free agency to go along with it. You know, typical NFL offseason, but we've never seen, I think, one non-quarterback position be this dominating, financially speaking, over one offseason. So now that Terry McLaurin's locked in, and by the way, I don't think we're done. DK, Debo, you know, maybe Deontay Johnson, probably not, but I know there's a lot of Pittsburgh people that are clamoring for that. But McLaurin's deal kind of feels like the one before the break. And then once the training camp really kind of starts staring us in the face, those rookie extensions for DK and Debo will really become a thing because they're not going to hold out. They're not going to miss training camp. But will they get paid or will they be forcing themselves out of their respective teams? That's a very, very real situation percolating in those two franchises right now. Where does Terry McLaurin's breakdown rank amongst, you know, the 30 other contracts that were signed to some degree? Tyra Kill's deal stands way above everybody else right now in really every facet. And by the way, that's exactly what you hope Drew Rosenhaus wanted. Everywhere you look, it's gaudy good. You know, obviously the $30 million per year, that's a bit fake, but it's still $2 million more than any other wide receiver in football in the history of football, really. Um, the signing bonus is right up there. And by the way, this Terry McLaurin contract now has the highest signing bonus in wide receiver history, $28 million. So Tyreek Hill is third on that list. The guarantees at signing. Tyreek Hill gets 52 and a half. That's by far the most. That's, I mean, that's some serious, serious coin there. That's, you know, edge rusher, top, top non-quarterback positional stuff here. And then the practical guarantees are where our, our quarterbacks were about three years ago. You know, Cooper Cup locked in 75 million. That's historic still. Tyreek's right behind him at 72 and change. Terry McLaurin's full guarantees over this contract. Now it's a four-year extension. Um, 53.1. So quite a bit behind these top, top court, uh, wide receiver contracts, you know, t- over 20 million behind Cooper Cup. I, I think people would say that's right. This is a rookie extension. And as I mentioned a couple of shows ago, there's becoming a very thick line between a rookie extended wide receiver and then that third contract. And if you are still an elite wide receiver, by the time you need your third contract, there's some real, real coin for you. It doesn't have to be a big, massive five-year contract, but it can be three years almost all fully guaranteed and really tight bow, good cash flow. So that's the, that's the thick line we've seen here. So this McLaurin contract isn't going to compete with the third contract of Diggs, Adams, Hill, and Cup. But, you know, amongst its predecessors, 
it's right below the AJ Brown deal in pretty much every other context, right? So AJ Brown is in the conversation at three-year cash at about fifty-seven million. Terry McLaurin's three-year cash because it's a four-year extension, quite a bit less, fifty-three million. You know, he's in there with Brandon Cooks on his new deal, Christian Kirk on his free agent contract. But AJ Brown's deal with Philly kind of sits above all these still, and uh, you can understand that they gave up a first-round pick to acquire him. It was a situation where we'll take him because Tennessee won't pay him. So you knew that there was, a, there was already a contract offer in place and that A.J. Brown and his agent had turned around and said, nope, it's got to be this or we're walking. And by walking, it was we're getting the hell out of here. That's what happened. This is still the contract he wanted and he got it. So he's, he kind of stands at the top of this rookie extension deal, even though over a two-year, three-year deal, God, Chris Godwin and Mike Williams did a little bit better Oh, by the way, same agent for all these guys. So, uh, you know, shorter deal, a little bit more guaranteed up front, longer deal, spread out a little bit more, a little bit more team friendly, but just as good, you know, just as much cash flow going to the bank by the end of the day here. So, you know, it's the seventh highest AAV for Terry McLaurin. Like I said, that signing bonus means it's heavily front loaded from a cash perspective for him. It's not the greatest two year, three year cash that we have on the books right now. It's top 15 in both those regards amongst all wide receivers. But if you just look at the landscape of what we've gotten this year, we've got a brand new top for everything in the wide receiver. Everywhere you slice it, from practical guarantees, the guarantees at signing, to the signing bonus, to two-year cash, to three-year cash, it's all really, really big. And uh, will that stick? No. I'm a big believer that this is going to be an anomaly season and that half the league will look at this and say, we're never doing that. We're never going to do this. We're going to get a guy. Maybe we'll extend him into that rookie extension. You know, maybe the Terry McLaurin contract becomes something that teams are happy to do. But I'm not sure about these third contracts. You know, we saw really great teams punt on massive, massive players. The Chiefs and Hill. The Packers and Adams. The Tennessee Titans with Brown. Those are big moves. The Vikings already relinquished digs a couple of years ago. You know, Michael Thomas is probably out his way, his way out the door here soon. What happens with DK? There's just teams that this isn't a position that has to be kept because it has become extremely replaceable, not to this level. You know, there's not another Justin Jefferson out there. And if Minnesota doesn't give him everything across the board higher, right, then there's going to be a discussion about where he is in a year and a half. So there's a lot to get to here, but, and there's a lot of numbers here because of the wide receiver deals that we've seen over the past five, six months. But, I wouldn't say that anything blows us out of the water, but is it good for football? You know, I mean, Tyreek Hill is going to be one of five in that wide receiver room, maybe six on an average basis. His tight end's not getting paid. Is that a trickle down effect of a lot of other Miami Dolphins getting contracts and them not knowing what happens with Tua next year? Who may be looking at thirty-five million plus? It's possible, um, but there are certain positions where. If, if quarterbacks and wide receivers and edge rushers and cornerbacks continue to push at the levels they're pushing financially, all these other positions are going to sink down or stay where they are, which has happened to the tight end for a bunch of years now, unfortunately. So there's going to be a cause and effect. There always is with a salary cap league. And while I don't think anything's crazy here, you know, the, the Dolphins gave up an absolute bounty to get Tyreek Hill on the door and, and Adams cost quite a bit too for the, for the Vegas Raiders. So you knew those contracts were going to be big and going to be historic. But what happens to a free agent situation? Christian Kirk's contract isn't scaring anybody. I mean, it, 
it was a good soundbite and good clickbait for a lot of media venues out there for a while until we all saw the actual numbers and said, all right, let's just calm the hell down. This is two for 37, right? <laughs> two for 37. That's a fine free agent contract for what could be your number one wide receiver, but doesn't have to be for those numbers. Certainly doesn't have to be. And certainly after seeing the 12 other contracts that came after that, people don't even remember Christian Kirk signed a contract this March. That's where we've gone so far. But there will be ramifications for this. And that's something I've been saying quite a bit. And McLaurin's contract is just another you know, example of this. And by the way, this is a guy locking in, knowing that his quarterback could be one and done and that there's not another quarterback in that room. They gave Taylor Heineke the option. He didn't, you know, he did adequate. Not to the level of what I think could be like a Case Keenum, where you could definitely put this guy in for six games and get something out of it. But he's a guy. And if Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz, they're going to be back at square one with that quarterback position. So they'll have a, you know, a $53 million wide receiver and nobody to throw him the ball. Is they're going to move on from Wentz, go back to the draft most likely, and start this thing all over again. Unless... Kirk Cousins is back in town in 2023. <laughs> Fascinating how some of these teams have really, really sunk massive, massive draft capital and financial investments into this one, you know, one player at this position that is not a one player position. And that's what fascinates me the most about this. But we'll see what kind of ramifications it has in the long term. But I think for the short term, it's just a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to cover this one. We haven't seen a non quarterback position do this in the NFL in quite some time. Okay, before we talk NBA, we are presented today by Dynasty Owners. Speaking of fantasy football and lots of decisions you're going to have to make over the coming weeks, get yourself to DynastyOwner.com right now. Use code SPOTTREK20, get $20 off the registration process, and get in here and figure this out because this is real stuff. If you've got a team already, you're already decided on what to do with Devonta Adams now that he is massively more expensive. What are you doing with Tyreek Hill now that he's massively more expensive? And players like Justin Jefferson, who are about to be in the next 12 months, do you move on from those players now or do you ride it out for one more year and try to get as much production as possible while he's on his rookie contract? That's all the stuff you have to think about and maneuver inside of Dynasty Owner with real NFL average salaries. It's all the real deal decisions, the real deal GM work, plenty of bells and whistles, plenty of customization. Get started today at DynastyOwner.com. That's DynastyOwner.com. Use code SPOTTRACK20. Time for some NBA discussions with Scott Allen. All right, Scott, your job has basically been to uh, sit around and wait for these NBA numbers to become finalized, right? That's the game here because it's timing, it's uh, structure, it's in certain cases, you know, a four-year deal is actually a two-year deal with some options. When there's not options, that's breaking news now. <laughs> there's, a, there's just a lot to unpack with these major extensions and, and free agent contracts. So let's talk about a few of them. I want to start with one that isn't finalized yet, and I want to ask you why it isn't finalized because... The Jalen Brunson contract was announced before any of this other garbage, right? This was one of the earliest, at least uh, unofficial announcements in, in the entire NBA offseason. Where are we with Jalen Brunson on the New York Knicks? So it sounds like the there were some negotiations of possibly, instead of using cap space to sign Jalen Brunson, that they would possibly do a sign-in trade to from Dallas to New York, which would allow them to sign using bird rights and free up cap space to be used elsewhere. Mm. Sounds like that kind of has fallen by the wayside here. And sounds like that Brunson is going to sign using cap space. It sounds like earliest tomorrow. Um, so that, that just means that chunk will be in there. Uh, used uh, Brunson is about at about $24 million for this first year. 
that'll eat up yeah, that cash Explain space. this to me because there's a lot pending here. Does this mean that they'll have to process one of the trades first to open up an upcap, an upcap space for him? Correct. And that's why we haven't seen the likes of Alec Burks and the no, uh, New Orleans Noel deal uh, with Detroit done. Same with Mitchell Robinson. He, depending on what he ends up, he may go into cap space as well, depending on what space is there. So you're right. It's all about the timing, which is why that trade has not been processed yet. Okay. And they do still have their non-taxpayer mid-level exception, right? Which is about 10 and a half million. That is correct. Okay. They're not going to be a tax team. They're going to be over cap, but that's just generally how teams operate now anyway. So what do you think is the holdup here with this sign and trade? Any chance that it's Dallas reconsidering this and, and, and possibly making a, a stronger offer here to Jalen Brunson, who they have not replaced. And that's kind of been one of the storylines here. No, I don't think so. I think it's just a, maybe a good faith gesture on the Brunson side of we'll, we'll try to do the sign and trade to perhaps get something back instead of losing him for nothing. But it sounds like that whatever pieces are being negotiated are not what Dallas wants. You got to You got to extrapolate that out a little bit because the NBA front offices have been in the spotlight right now with this Kevin Durant stuff. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people that probably don't follow basketball that look at this situation and say, why are these teams getting pushed around? There's really no other sport where this happens to this degree. You know what I mean? The NFL would laugh at this situation if, you know, Patrick Mahomes walked up to the Chiefs front office and said, you know what? It's not really working out. I know I got 11 years left in my contract, but I want to be a charger. What? Right? They would say, sorry. Go grab your helmet, son. It's time for practice. So, the, the, and now you're telling me that there's a good faith gesture in a free agent signing with another team that they won't just say, oh, I'm just going to switch teams. You didn't extend my contract or make me an offer that I, I thought was worthy. I'm going to sign with New York. But before I do that, I want to make sure you guys get a couple of players and draft picks back for me. I, he's a free agent, Scott. This isn't real free agency. Right? I mean, I, I understand how this works. And I, and I understand this is just part of the league. But it's not, this is an unwritten rule. This is a complete unwritten rule, correct? This is not something that was required. It happens way more than it doesn't happen in this league with notable players. So is there any rhyme or reason to this? Or is it really just, it's an unwritten handshake agreement that most teams do so that they can stay on their good side of their players? Well, th that's part of it. The other part is because of signing, a, doing a sign and trade, you're signing using the rights, which allows them to not have to eat up the cap space. So if they but were- But that's Dallas helping the Knicks. It is. That's but still confusing to the outside looker, you know? But then Dallas is getting something back in exchange, whether it is, um, you know, it could be a sign and trade where if they absorb Brunson using the cash base, then they get a TPE back or something like that. But um, it, it, it's all about the manipulation of the dollars down to the dollar so that whether it's being used in cash space or being used with the rights to come in so that the uh, team can operate over the cap instead of having to mm -hmm. go under the cap. Because if they go under the cap and they use their actual space, then they lose their trade exception. They're biannual. They go down to only having a room exception and uh, any trade exceptions that they have would be null and void moving forward as well. So they, and they only have one of those at the moment, yeah. but that, that is the, sticking point of 
a team going and using cap spaces, they will lose all of those exceptions. Whereas if they operated with bird rights and and signed to operate over the cap, then they would retain some of those higher valued exceptions. All right. So because this is kind of a good educational segment here now, I want to keep, I want to go down that road a little more. You mentioned the trade exception, which has become a big part of the game, even though they don't get used often, but they have, when they've been used at times, they've been extremely potent weapons for contenders down the stretch, right? Especially at the deadline. Do you think Dallas would prefer that exception or a player right now from the Knicks? Where do you think their head is? Uh, their roster, once the uh, JaVale McGee mm-hmm. signing goes, they'll be at 14, and they'll probably add some other players on their, you know, just to fill out their roster. My guess is they would probably rather have a TPE, a large TPE yeah, at that. Yeah, 20-something, right? So Because then you could absorb anyone within, you know, $24 million or less. So, so my guess is right now they would rather have the TPE going into a trade deadline Bingo. to facilitate and bring in something else other than rather have a, a player right now because the roster is pretty filled out. I, I, I completely agree. That's the move here for Dallas is the, is to grab that exception, hold it in your pocket, see where you are in January. And then you got a big old, almost max contract slot, you know, for an expiring contract sitting there at February 15th ish to be able to build your contending team out for the rest of the stretch. I think that's very, very important to this Dallas team. So I agree with them not taking on Derrick Rose or whatever the throw-in is here that the Knicks are trying to do, even if they're sending a first-round pick back with it. Dallas is in contention mode here. I think they're like, what, the fourth best odds in the West? I know you made note of that. Dallas and Memphis were kind of neck and neck here at one point in time. So to me, that is the all-in move, is to keep that 20 million-plus TPE in their pocket and, and see where they are in a couple of months. All right, let's yeah, but about. that's good. Yeah, 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 yeah and that's but that's going to be moot if it's just an outright cap space signing. So that that's just going to be a moot point, anyways. Um, the the other thing that I will mention on top of with that the signing trades is of all these officials that have come through, none of them have been signing trades. So it's actually been quite low or almost no signing trades. Uh, we have probably you know ten to twelve official contracts we're waiting to come through still. But, you know, the, the sign and trade was not the route that most teams wanted to go this it's year. It's way less this year, right? And and, I, and I know, I've noted so far, just doing the, the math in my head, the hard cap teams are going to be way down. It was 19 three right. years ago. Yep. It was 12 last year. It's, I don't think it's going to be 10 right now. Now, that can change yeah, the deadline and stuff. But there's a lot that, uh, at least in the offseason, teams are being more privy of that, right? They are. I think if uh, there's four right now, maybe five off the top of my head that are hard capped and we may not get to 10. And any of those, I think any team that may be from here out, it's going to be a bad team that doesn't care about the tax threshold anyway. They're just doing it because it's the best move from them from a business standpoint. You know what I mean? Correct. The Knicks could be one of those teams, by the way. Can I ask one more question? This, isn't, this is a question I don't know the answer to. Could, could the Knicks acquire Brunson with cap space? But Dallas facilitates this in a trade for just a first-round pick to gain that trade exception? Could they just send a draft pick in a sign-in trade for Jalen Brunson to acquire the TPE? Because that is a very all-in contender move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they could if they were absorbing him using that cap space, which is why they would have to facilitate certain things to get themselves 
low enough with cap to absorb him using that cap space. And then whatever it's sort of, it's similar to the Oklahoma city thunder using up their, their cap space going into this league year for, um, uh, Jermichael green, where they just absorbed completely with cap space. And all they have to do is send back a pick or cash or, or something has to go back. So it it could work in that fashion. So could, Dallas send. So Dallas would have to send a pick, maybe two picks to get a pick for, for a pick in Jalen Brunson, something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think that might be worth it for a TPE of this size. You know, it's not a mid-level guy. That would be a legitimate player in My, February. Yeah. Right? But if you're, yeah, but if you're in negotiation and this is where, like you said, it could fall out is if, if they're saying, no, you have to take back a Derrick Rose or you have to yep. take back you buy a, such buy and such. a bad contract. Yep. Right. You know how it works. And, and, Dallas, is in, and Dallas is not in that mode. That's right the now. last thing they want to do right now, right? They've maybe already done that with Davis Berton. So we'll see. We Which is why it could have fallen through. Yep. Yeah. No question about it. All right. Let's talk about some officially officials then. What's your favorite so far? You've kind of crunched these numbers. You've seen some of these, uh, these built-in attributes, the options, the kickers, things like that, some non-guarantees. Which one stands out the most at this point? I, I don't know if any necessarily stand out. Some of them, you know, with the extensions that we've been talking about, Towns, Booker, Morant, we're waiting on Williamson still. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, th- those are max salaries. So those are all estimates in our system for now. And they will be estimates until, you know, 2024 for Booker and Towns. Um, how about I, how simple I, the Booker one is? For a for a front office that is as stringy as anyone out there, right? It, it definitely is. But they lo- they locked him up thirty five percent. They threw in a ten percent trade bonus, which was kind of interesting. You know, some of these larger ones did get bonuses if traded. Zach Levine had one. Uh, Booker had one. If I remember, Beal had one. Yep. So. I, f- I find that probably the most interesting out of these contracts because that they're in there and we don't know where the cap is going to go. And we're talking about towards the back end, 50 to $60 million, but these trade bonuses are still in there. So it could be that the trade bonuses actually could hit if traded, depending on where the cap ends up being in five years, because if the cap is high enough and those salaries are below the cap, uh, for that, the maximum cap for that year, then those trade bonuses could be a viable entity if traded. Whereas right now we're looking at it and it, it, we're Thank like, God, oh, right, Scott, they, they got to make sure they make their money here. What are we talking about? <laughs> I know. I'm getting laughed at uh, tweeting these numbers out. I'm getting, I'm getting literally laughed at. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 63 people are saying 63 million. Am I actually seeing that right? And yes, you are seeing that right. We're, we're going to see. You know, we, we mentioned last time Steph Curry, he's going to be making 50 over 50 next year. The, the $60 million range doesn't kick in until 26, 27, but that could hit in the 25, 26 range, depending on where that cap is. Like I said, you know, Booker Towns, they're at 54, Damian Lillard's at 58 and a half. So if the cap goes up, some of these numbers could be affected and we could be seeing 60 million in 25, 26. It's not, I mean, it's not, we've got five guys on the books right now for 2024 making $50 million cash in that single year. So yeah, it's funny. I, as quickly here. <laughs> I, 
I, I, I did a quick little uh, research before I jumped down. I was just curious to see over the last four years, Major League Baseball teams that had what their cash was spent to see if that total was anywhere payrolls. near total <laughs> payroll. Yeah. To see if it was anywhere near some of these values that have signed. And there were a couple teams that uh, like uh, the Jokers 270, that over five years is mm-hmm. like right up there with some of those bottom paying major league baseball teams. Oh, so, by the way, there's double the amount of players on a baseball roster. Correct. In any given season. So <laughs> right. that's how, I, I think, that's how important basketball is. And all those people that clap back and say, nobody watches basketball. You're just wrong. This is all TV money. That's what this is. This is all TV is. money. You know, there's some marketing built into this little question about it, but, and, and it's a 50, 50 split, which no other league has ridiculously in terms of the revenue. So there's a lot going for the players here. Um, the contract I want to talk about a little bit is Beal. You kind of foreshadowed that. I, Scott, I don't know what happens in that in that city with these with these front offices. It just seems like it's square peg round hole constantly for the past fifteen to twenty years. You got to explain this one to me. You got to explain this to me. Are, are they that afraid of ever getting a good player again that they have to lock this guy into the absolute whatever you want? We'll give it to you contract. Nobody has a no trade clause. Nobody. He he is currently the only player in the NBA to have a no trade clause. Explain to me why it had to happen. Was he going to walk if he didn't get it? I I don't know. He must love it enough in Washington to want to make sure that if he if any trade scenario does come up in the next five years, that he has a say of where he goes. That's the only thing that I can think of why they would have given him a no trade clause. They didn't even give, you know, Damian Lillard one. Nobody, there Durant, nobody, nobody. So, uh, but there are specific rules in the NBA for getting a no trade clause yeah. and he, he applies for it. So that is the only thing that I could wrap my head around is that it's a good faith gesture. Again, I'm using that phrase to the Beals in his camp that if you are at all up in, trade conversations you'll at least have a say in where you go as opposed to you could be traded tomorrow well you can't be traded tomorrow but you could be traded next year and we're gonna we can send you to wherever you want where we want to go as opposed to where you may want to go that's the only thing i could think of and on top of it he got player option and a 15 percent kicker when he's traded let's say when he's traded um you're right though I think it's what you have to be with the same team for four years before you can qualify for a trade, a tra- no trade clause. So that's pretty rare with some of these other superstars <laughs> with the bouncing around we see. Uh, so that's probably, you know, you're right. Dame Lillard, Bradley Bill. It's not, there's not many players that actually get to that fourth year with that same team and then sign a new contract after that. So I guess in that regard, it, the qualification for it doesn't even exist often. So the fact that he was here and he got it, I guess good for him. Bradley Beal is going to make $430 million on the court, Scott. Yep. A lot of money. <laughs> he's not even an annual all-star. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, no. he's, he's a, yeah, and the injuries he's a great have been player. An issue too. Yeah. And he's now he's, you know, pushing 30 years old, but it's just a heck of a lot of money. And, uh, I think this is going to be one of those deals in two years where, where another Washington organization is going to be looking around saying, what the hell did we do here? <laughs> you know, unfortunately, <laughs> So, so to go back on your your point with the no trade clause and why we don't really see it very often. Yeah. So a player 
has to be in the league at least eight seasons yep. to even think of trying to negotiate that. And then on top of it, you have to have been with the team that you're signing for at least four years or yeah. four seasons. And it doesn't have to necessarily be consecutive. So LeBron ended up getting one when he went back to Cleveland. Oh, no kidding. That's a really interesting nugget. Right. So um, it, it is rare, but the fact that we're seeing these massive extensions, Towns, Lillard, Booker, we'll get you there. name it, and they're and they didn't include no trade clauses. Yeah, when they could have. Yeah, I'm not sure Towns uh, has eight years yet, but I well, know, they, I know they what may you're not saying. have right. They de- they may not have eight years, but you know, the, it, it is rare because of that stipulation, and it's and more in, in today's mm-hmm. NBA where team players jump around. They're asking. They're requesting their trade. They're they're not even with a team that long to uh, be able to ask no, for that. Do they want to? Uh, all these guys who sign long-term extensions, you mentioned Cat, you mentioned, I mean, Gobert has been on one here for a, for a year now. Uh, you know, Dame's out six years now in Portland. Yep, right. I mean, everybody's maxing out length right now, term, right? And obviously the money goes with it. I, I mean, this just wasn't the case five years ago. This was no. a one plus one, a two plus one league. What happened? Definitely a shift. What happened? Seriously. Because I, I've, I couldn't stop applauding these NBA superstars for doing what they were doing, which was betting on themselves. Did, did the pandemic, did, did the um, truncated schedule, which really kind of screwed some guys' routines up and then maybe forced more injuries, did, did everybody just get freaked out and, and revert back to, I need as much stability and guarantee and term on my contract as possible, and I'll, just, I'll be the bad guy and figure it out, which is what Durant is now. He's being the bad guy to get out of this situation because his contract doesn't say you're getting out of this situation. It says you're staying. But do you think it has to do with that truncated schedule, the, you know, the 2020-2021 season? And then again, last year, that you know, it was like a two-week turnaround. And do you think these older 30-year-olds are just saying, my body can't do this. I got to be careful with myself here. Or is it something completely different? Um, if you look at the players that have signed, they're in markets that are not big markets. So it could be a situation where they like where they're at. They like the organization. They don't want to necessarily jump from team to team, having seen what some of these other players have recently done, even though it has gotten them to an NBA championship. But, you know, maybe there's more of a loyalty factor in there. And uh, on the team side, Mm -hmm. You you have this face of your franchise, and you don't want that face of your franchise to go to another team. So let's lock him up in these you know legacy contracts that are going to pay uh, you know absurd amount fifty million dollars plus in laid into their prime. Uh, so I think it's probably a little bit of both sides, um, and the fact that. A, we don't know what the landscape is going to look like with the new CBA coming up. So th- that could be a, a sticking point. Are there are the max salaries going to exist? Are or are they going to change? What are the rules that might change? You know, there's so many things that are going to be up for uh, negotiation going into this new CBA. And then on top of it, 
some TV money. I know, you know, the, the, the rights have a couple more years with that, but when those end up kicking in, mm-hmm. what ends up happening with that? So some of these players are, are locking in with knowing that we at least know we have our guaranteed money with a landscape that we're not entirely familiar with. And then the last piece of that is because players have been signing these free agency as we're seeing right now is garbage is garbage. Like we've been talking about for the last two months. So teams are realizing sort of a, the major league baseball, not the players move as much, but let's lock these guys up to contracts because then we have them. And then if we need to move them, like we did with uh, a Russell Westbrook or a James Harden, nothing is untradeable. Even when we get to, 50 and almost $60 million. If the cap continues to rise, those contracts will still be able to be moved because the minimum goes up with the cap, the mid levels go up with the cap. So, and if we're signing players with their rights, then we can sign them to whatever we want up until, uh, you know, if they have bird, we can go as high as up to the max if we chose to. So there's ways to sign players without having to necessarily go through free agency. Two points. You mentioned how it's free agency here kind of feels like Major League Baseball. Does anybody think Jalen Brunson got overpaid? I don't. No, I don't think he got I mean, overpaid. Keith has been saying uh, $25, 26000000 million a year for 18 months in our system. Right. This is exactly probably what he's valued on an open market structure with a new team. Now, if he was staying next to Luka Doncic, I think it's a whole different story. He's, he's maybe an 18 to $20 million player there because of the complimentary role, but that's not going to be what he's doing in New York. That's going to be what he's end up, end up being, I think, because I think that's his actual career landscape. But they didn't throw a max contract at him to, to wield him over there. They threw market value at him. And if you look down the list, I, I don't know. Like we, I, I joked about the Lou Dort one, but whatever. Oklahoma City's operating on a different mindscape right now. I mean, nobody else got overpaid in free agency. No, Zero. I don't Zilch. think so. So if you're getting to the open market, you know what I mean? I'm not even sure you want to be there. I'm not even sure you want to be there. You're better off just taking the, the, the in-house contract and then forcing your way out of town one way or another. Jimmy Butler in your way out of practice, right? I mean, I mean, isn't that the better approach here monetarily and for a career standpoint? Right. And then and that's that's sort of what I was getting at is the players realize I'll just take the extension if it's going to be offered because then I know I'm locked in. And yes, it might be a, a tradable salary, but you're at least guaranteeing to a certain extent that you're going to get paid an extra year or two, depending on what it is. And oh, by the way, don't the teams don't the losing teams want that, too, as we just prefaced with Brunson? Don't they want to be able to bring back an asset? If a player is going to walk, they don't want you to get to free agency either. Because they're, they're hard kept, you know what I mean? Right. So, the only way would be, yeah, sign and trade, unless you, because right. we don't see teams with cap spaces enough to do much of anything. Right. 21, 21 free agent contracts were signed, have been signed, of 20 million or more. 21. How many, Scott, are player joining a new team? Out of the 21, how many are joining a new team? Oh, not many. Mm-hmm. I, I probably. Maybe less than five. It's I'd four. Have to count. It's four. four. Yeah. <laughs> four yeah. out of 21 are it, new it, team players than free agency. Everybody's staying home. Yeah. And I mentioned that last. Yeah. I mentioned that uh, last time. You know, the, the, the key thing that I noticed was 
bringing back their their players that were already there. And it's because, yes, they're a free agent, but you can sign them with the rights. Whereas if they go to another team, it's either a sign and trade or use cap space. And so if teams really like the player that is there, then you sign them to that value. Once you get to December 15th, in most cases, you can trade them later if you wanted to. So you're at least locking up. But if you really like those players, then you do what you need to, Yep. you know, but there, there have been a few where there, there've been incentives in there or a player option at the back end. It, I mean, off the top of my head, I can only think of maybe one or two that really had a, a club option, but there's been a lot of player options where it's been like a two year deal with a player option in the second uh, uh, year few with incentives, Lou Dort, his incentives, you know, it was originally reported five for 87 and a half. Well, it is 87 and a half for the maximum value, but 5 million was incentives, 1 million each year, unlikely for if he makes all defensive, uh, defensive player of the year, all defensive team. So there've been some incentives in there. So on the free agent tracker, if you see maximum value is not the same as the actual value that is uh, guaranteed or likely to be earned. That is why there is a difference there. Are we underselling this Minnesota situation? I've done a lot of work on this just internally, you know, kind of selfishly from a gambling standpoint as well, <laughs> um, to understand where they are here because, you know, the Bill Simmons of the world are going to say that Danny Ainge just fleeced Minnesota because that's what he does, right? He, he goes out and he finds a, a weak, a weak team who may think they're better than they are and, pro, you know, and get them to take on a contract he doesn't want anymore. He's done that a long time. Is Gobert really that dangerous for this Minnesota team? I think from a defensive standpoint, absolutely, he's a dangerous piece. He's in a positive way. In a positive way, yes. Right. And, and isn't Cat an absolutely perfect complement to what Rudy Gobert is as a big man? I would agree with that. And can't Anthony Edwards become LeBron James, 80% of LeBron James this year? Meaning he could run the point, he can facilitate, he can create shots. And doesn't that reduce the role of D'Angelo Russell to the point of where he can just be a role player? Right? Agreed. Yep. So isn't this shaping up to be the 1920 Lakers? Why isn't this the 1920 Lakers who won the bubble championship? Yeah, right? I mean, could. a, a yeah, deadline it, acquisition of a player like Rondo, not Rondo now, but Rondo then, you know, that's that deadline acquisition, the veteran team dad that needs to come in and kind of, you know, take care of things because Gobert is not that player. I mean, I don't think Cat is either. Anthony Edwards might be the most, you know, vocal leader on that team right now of anybody. But I just think they're setting up exactly right. And, and by the way, it's, it's not traditional. And I love that it's not traditional. I love that they're not trying to agreed. build a backcourt like 85% of the league is doing. We got a zag here. We got to be different. And we got a guy who can be different. And that's Anthony Edwards. And I know he's getting a lot of hype right now, but I think it's worth it. I think this guy can actually be three or four positions on that roster. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I like the zag as well. I, they sort of maybe saw what Cleveland did last year, running the and, bigs. And what Brooklyn and it, couldn't do, right? I, I think there's and, a lot of evidence out there to this. And, and I think this was a team that, needed to do something to just get over that hump and that maybe they were in on the KD rumors I, maybe not 
But I, I like that they at least went out and are trying something now. Did they sell the farm? Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. But if it works out and they get a championship in the next two, three, four years Bingo. under these contracts, we're going to look at this in hindsight and say this was a brilliant move. And if it doesn't work out, but at least they're in contention, then maybe we can say it worked out for the most part, even though they they got rid of all their first round picks moving forward. But they they brought in Kyle Anderson. I think yeah. he's a nice piece to that start. team. They dread. They drafted well. They they have some young kids that they they really like mm-hmm. um, in McDaniel's and McLaughlin. So I think this team is fairly deep moving into the regular season, and it'll just be a matter of can they stay healthy? Yep. Can they can they gel well? Can Towns and Gobert work on the floor? And obviously, them making this move, they think that can be the case. So I, I like them a lot as yeah. far as the depth of that team and the the maturation of their roster. No question. I just think, you know, when you, when you let the dust settle a little bit on how blockbuster that Gobert trade was, and it was, it was probably way too much, but you understand what bad teams have to do sometimes. There's an actual path here. <laughs> you know, there's an actual gameplay, especially for the regular season. I mean, this could be a 50-plus, 55-win team, truly, because of how different they're going to match up in the regular season with so many other rosters, and, and the talent is there. So they could easily be a top-five seed in this Western Conference, which would benefit them greatly. And if Anthony Edwards becomes the Anthony Edwards that the hype is saying he's going to be, why the hell not, you know? Yeah, and I agree with that. And I, I'll add to that where if you're – rotating a Gobert and a Towns and a Torian Prince, if you're rotating those guys on a regular season nightly basis, you're going to win in the paint and you're going to grind and you're going to win the games that you're supposed to win and potentially win the games that maybe you aren't supposed to win, but you're able to just uh, grit it out and get those wins and, and not necessarily have to rely on just shooting. And if you go cold one night, and you lose those games because your shooters aren't shooting, but you have a presence in the paint and inside, that may be what tips them over to get a really good C going into the playoffs. Yeah, they, they need a three-point shot. You know, they can't have Cap be the best three-point shooter on the team, and I have a feeling that's where we're headed here. But, um, you know, that's something you can do at the deadline. I, I have faith in them at that point. So I, I just, I'm not, I'm not saying they're, they're going to win the championship, but I'm not saying Anthony Oh, and Red- they're not done. They're not done because they, once the Forbes deal goes official, yeah. they still only have 12 players on the roster. That's so fair. they're not done. Uh, so they may be able to get, you know, a decent minimum. I, I'm not saying this is out there, but, you know, players like a Carmelo Anthony or, you know, that guys that could come off the bench sure. to just shoot, they're, they're out there still. So they're not done for sure. They could be a tax team, Scott? You've only got about nine million to work with right now. Yeah, by the time that they get there, they probably will be because of having to, uh, you know, if they sign all minimum contracts, it's going to get them butt up close to right. uh, tax. But my guess is, um, with if guys get injured and they need to waive them mid season or trade acquisition, they'll probably be right around there, if not over. Okay. It, yeah, it's just an interesting team, you know, and, I, and I'm, 
not saying Edwards is LeBron James, by the way. I just think he's got the versatility to be that kind of player. Yep. And he maybe accounts for a roster spot and a half here in that regard. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I, I've heard it a couple times, and I completely agree with some of the takes of, you know, Anthony Edwards might now might be time to lock him up for most improved player, similar to what happened to Ja last year. So, you know, and, and if that is the case, then watch out because you do have those vets on that team. And they're, like I said, they're, they're a deep team. You know, LeBron James is listed as a point guard on that 1920 roster on basketball reference. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Yep. It is what it is, right? And I think that's the, when you have the big man flexibility, that's the kind of stuff that can happen. You're big. And by the way, big guards win games, right? Boston, <laughs> right? Big, big guards win games. So I, I just think that they are a little bit smarter than they're getting credit for right now. It's, it was a huge swing. It's a grand slam swing and it's probably not going to win them a ring, but it's worth the effort for a team that has a guy right now. They're not sitting back, right? Like they did, like New Orleans did with Zion for two years. And just kind of let things happen. You know, New Orleans finally figured it out with Griffin. Hey, we got to get some pieces here. Whether he's going to play or not, we got to get a team here. And I think Minnesota has said, look, we've got two pieces. Cat was our first piece. He wants to be here. We brought his friend in Russell. And now Edwards is that second piece. And when you got two pieces and you're a small market team, you got to go. And they're going. You do. You do. And you have new ownership. So you have owners. Right. There's there's some uh, anticipation there. You're right, Scott. anticipation or um, we're not going to sit on our hands. We want to do something splashy now to m- make a mark in this league. Bingo. Doesn't always, doesn't always work out. I'm but a Mets fan. It, I know exactly what that feels like. Don't worry. <laughs> so I, I, I hope it works out and um, we'll see what they round their roster out here within the next couple of weeks. All right. One more contract and we'll get out of here. I'm trying to pick which one I want to pick on. We talked about the Beal one. It's crazy. Um, the Booker one is simple, which I expected. I'm not sure Booker's going to be on this team for five more years. Do you? Don't you think that uh, once they actually figure out they're not contenders, they're going to blow the damn thing up? He's he's not going to pay. He's not going to pay high salaries to lose. Is my point, Tarver. He, he's going to get assets back and OKC this thing. Maybe, but he he did do the you know the max extension with Booker coming out of his rookie. Now he's, they seem to like him enough that maybe they think they can build no matter what around him, whether CP three is on the roster or Aiton. And that's another, another situation that has gone by the wayside is Aiton is just in limbo. He may end up going back on a (laughs) massive value contract or whatever it might be. You're right. Should he take a one plus one at this point? Maybe, possibly. Sure. For the reasons that we talked about, we don't know what the cap, you know, might be, might go up higher, what the CBA is going to be. Scott, can he sign the qualifying offer? Oh, he could. And then he would just be a uh, straight UFA going into next offseason. Okay. Well, that's certainly something to watch All right. Uh, Zach Levine returns. There's really nothing fancy about that one. That's kind of where we thought we were going to be. Um, yep. You know, the, the net stuff is all complete TBD. And I think the more, the longer it goes, the more it looks like everybody's going to stay there, at least for the interim, right? I think we're, we're both in agreement there. Yes. John Wall has become official. We don't quite know the structure of that yet, but I'm guessing that's a one-year it's, it's guarantee, be, right? 
It's going to be the tax, most likely. Well, it is going to be the tax amount. So it's just a matter of getting the official. And if the uh, back end has a player option or not, I haven't officially seen it. Do you think it would be a player option or a non-guarantee? I think it would be in the team's control more than anything. That's Uh, where my head was with it. I don't know why they would guarantee uh, him two years. (laughs) Teams have done crazier things. No, that's for darn sure. All right. Um, And we know nothing about Zion. We know there's no option, right? Or there is a player option? Uh, I do not believe there is a player option. Okay. Uh, protections are TBD. Yep. Waiting to hear that. There is language that he can go up to the 30% if he um, triggers all NBA, but we're still waiting for that to officially all come down the pipeline. Yeah, that's certainly one to watch. And, and then James Harden. You know, yeah. somebody threw out the narrative that he took a $15 million pay cut, but we still haven't seen a contract reported. So. <laughs> I, you know, uh, sounds like some agents, agent spinning happening with Twitter right now. And we know how that works, but I assume that's going to hit Monday or Tuesday here. You're, you're expecting a two-year contract from what we've, we've seen. From what I heard, it's between 68, 66 and $68 million over two years. Okay. Which team has impressed you the most so far? It's been about two weeks here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, for the reasons that we said that they had to do something, Portland, yeah, they brought back players, but they also brought in free agents. They did lock up Lillard long-term, but they've made necessary moves to obviously okay enough with Lillard to, to lock him up to that extension. But I, I like that they, they've gotten themselves – uh, deeper on their roster to a certain extent. Yes, they did spend, but they brought in defense. They brought in, yeah. uh, you know, brought back the big man. Uh, they they made a trade for Jeremy Grant. So they've done a little bit of everything from all different avenues. They need a legitimate handcuff for Nurkic, though, because he's going to be hurt by Halloween. So <laughs> they need another center on this right. roster ASAP. No question about that. I mean, Shaden Sharp already has an injury now. He's going to miss the rest of summer league. That's a guy yep. I was hoping would take take a quick step forward for this roster. And oh, by the way, I still think this is a Durant location. I still think this is an option for for Brooklyn and Durant. So I I have to think they're at least setting themselves up for that from a roster construction well, standpoint to be ready for it, right? You 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 make a a fascinating observation where the pieces that they did sign could be pieces that go back yep. in a trade. But keep in mind the free agents that are signed have trade restrictions until December. So it could be the wait and see game for Brooklyn. And as you mentioned last time though, I think Brooklyn may want to wait so that all the available options are, are on the table for them. And that's what I'm saying. The fact that they signed them, they have pieces that could be grouped in, but maybe, you know, whatever team ends up trying to trade for him, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot more players on the pool for trading uh, after December, as opposed to, trying to do that yeah, right, right now. All right. They've already got my money, Portland. So let's go trailblazers. <laughs> Anything else NBA wise, Scott, or are you just going back to the numbers here? Uh, all first round draft picks have signed. So they're all locked in okay. at their 120% salary. So those are in a lot of two way deals, a lot of exhibit. You're going to start seeing on the site, exhibit nine, exhibit 10 contracts, okay. which are signed. Those are called camp deals, which are non-guaranteed. Um, so as you see them, those are contracts that'll be on the team payroll list, but they'll be without counting towards the cap. 
So those don't count right now. Um, Can I bring up a clickbait option for you? Sure. That I haven't heard, but you're, you're much more in tune to the NBA conversation. Are, are we talking enough about the fact that LeBron's entering an expiring contract here? And that net zero people have talked about an extension for him? Um, it's going to come, I think, with the in the next couple of weeks when it really dies down from, you know, NBA conversation of who's signing where and processing these trades. I bet I almost guarantee there's going to be more of that conversation come up when the NBA talk it starts to die down. Why not now? I mean, it's not like they're waiting for massive contracts to, to process. They've got minimum guys signed with exceptions and whatnot. It, and it could be maybe he doesn't want to extend. Maybe he wants to get to free agency. I mean, I, and... I wanted you to say it, not me, but I'm glad <laughs> you said it. <laughs> it, it. And that is an act, you know, it, it may be that. And, and if he does not extend... He wants to make sure his contract is aligned with Westbrook, right? So they can go together next year. <laughs> no, that's not it. <laughs> that Absolutely not. That's but not I will say, if he does not extend, he in quote, air quotes, could be tradable at that 44.4 because he doesn't have a restriction, doesn't have a no trade clause. So, you know, he, that, that could be floated out and that could be a narrative if he gets through without signing an extension. Noteworthy for now, maybe not in a couple of weeks, as you said, but for now it's something in the back of my mind. No question about it. It's got good stuff. Crunch those numbers. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. My thanks to Scott. Always good talking basketball during this hot season. Hasn't exactly been the craziness that we've seen in some other off seasons, but I think there's a reason. I think there's a lot of franchises who, after Kevin Durant and his agency got on Twitter and said, time to get out of here, and Kyrie opted in, but, you know, surfacey. I think there's a lot of teams that think Kyrie could still be uh, forcing his way out of there. I think a lot of franchises around the league said, pause. Let's hold this off. Let's see where we're at. Let's see where this goes. Let's, get our, let's dip our toes in that water a little bit. You know, your Portland's, your anybody, your Indiana's, your Minnesota's, all these teams that are being mentioned, certainly the Miami's and those, those big contenders, Toronto's, who think they have a chance at a Durant, but may have to take on a Kyrie to get, to get it all done, not to mention forfeit a Gobert kind of load. Um, I think that's, there's a lot of waiting around for what's going to happen there. And, and the answer may be Brooklyn, which means we may have a very late second surge in the NBA offseason, kind of like we have with Major League Baseball because of the lockout. We had a lot happen before December 1st. When the lockout hit, obviously everything shut down and we were just on the hot stove at that point. And then when it came back, it came back with a fury and we had Scherzer and we had lots of trades and all that in the Freddie Freeman situation and lots to go on. So I, I just wonder if, you know, not that there's any kind of league, league-oriented situation happening here, but Kevin Durant is big enough to kind of do that and put a pause button on an offseason. So when we know more, if we know more, I wonder if there's not going to be a second surge in the middle of late July here where Scott's going to have to work his butt off once again, and we'll certainly keep him uh, on this show discussing as much as possible when he does. Check out The Athletic for this and plenty more. Theathletic.com slash SpotTrack gets you started today at 40% off. And code SpotTrack20 at DynastyOwner.com get the $20 off that registration. It's certainly Dynasty Fantasy Football time on that spectrum. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trade Podcast. 